Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rudolchin. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books, to art, to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. Today I'm speaking to the British former model and nutritionist, Rosemary Ferguson. Discovered at the age of 15 by the iconic photographer, Corinne Day, she quickly became, along with fellow Brits Kate Moss and Stella Tennant, a key figure in the grunge movement that dominated fashion during the early 90s. As well as shooting extensively with Corinne Day, she was photographed by David Sims, Mario Sorrenti and Jürgen Teller for titles like The Face, ID and Vogue, and for brands including Prada, Versace and Alexander McQueen. After having her first daughter in her early 20s, she gave up modelling and trained as a naturopath and nutritionist, and has since set up her clinic in Harley Street. As well as her five-day food programme, she is the co-founder of Filth, a healthy yet tasty food initiative with the chef Gizzy Erskine. She is the author of Juice, published in April 2015, which features 100 juice recipes, and she also writes for British Vogue and Beauty Papers. She is married to the artist Jake Chapman and lives in the Cotswolds with her three children. So, Rosemary Ferguson, yes. welcome to the Collector's House podcast. <laughs> um, it's really great to have you on the show, and um, we're here at Carlos Place, 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse, where you have a pop-up cafe in the yeah. attic here. I do, yes, I do, in the month of January. What's it all about? Um, so, we're using recipes, so I'm a nutritionist, um, and I have, I'm a founder of a company called The Five Day Plan, which is a five-day food plan which is basically to, supposed to re-educate people on food so people go yeah it's a diet I'm like it's not a diet it's actually the absolute opposite I'm showing you that you can eat all of the food and feel amazing by the end of it so rather than anything too fatty I mean it is a very anti-inflammatory diet is the base of it you know so you know so it has got you know things like dairy aren't in it and there's lots of things that aren't in it but it's just very 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 healthy and why is anti-inflammatory good because inflammatory inflammatory foods like sugar coffee alcohol all the good things all the things that over the fest over the festive <laughs> yeah. period people have been indulging in a lot yeah. and the rest of the year mostly from my experience yeah <laughs> every day they um they can they just it can irritate the gut and then if the gut's irritated then you don't absorb food so well then you get jointed you get tired you get a slow moving bowel you know so all those things um and they just generally to feeling less you know less well than you should do you know so it's more about just getting the best out of yourself really and five days means is is is, is why so five days not was, just because it's five carlos place well yes obviously. that's exactly why yeah. um no five days is basically because it's a, you can it shows you the power of food you can absolutely change the way you feel in five days um it gives your gut a little bit of a break because we're taking out all the inflammatory foods like dairies and eggs and wheat and stuff um but also do you know the main reason was because when i started trialing it on friends they were like, oh, I can't possibly do it at the weekend. So actually, I was like, well, in fact, that's another thing is that things are meant to be doable. And I really believe in making things doable. You know, all this idea of, oh, I've got to do it for weeks and months and, and then falling off the wagon and going the extreme other way. I just thought, well, actually, this is a really good time. And it really does show you how, how just, what you, just what you eat can 
how how big an impact it can have on how you feel. It really is. Everybody's like, I can't believe in five days. And there's kind of a journey that people go on. So I get quite rude emails at the beginning of the week. I feel terrible. I'm so tired. Is that all the like toxins coming out? Of well, the body people and... people miss their sugar, so they can get a bit cranky. I mean, sugar's a big one. And then people with coffee fiends get quite bad headaches if they haven't read the pre-care, which is try to reduce <laughs> coffee which most people don't. Oh, so you're supposed to go in slowly? And... Well, if you're, if you're drinking six cups of coffee a day and then you stop, you're going to feel pretty rough, I should think. Well, mostly. Um, and then Wednesday comes, and Wednesday's a liquid day. It's not a fast day, so it's soups and smoothies and a couple of, and a juice. So two, usually two soups blended, like baby food. <laughs> two smoothies and a juice, lots of water. And then, and that's the turning day. And then I, I actually had one lady who wrote me quite a rude email on Tuesday saying I feel terrible <laughs> and then on Wednesday I'm so she wrote one going I'm so sorry it was the sugar I feel amazing today <laughs> she was so sweet I was like oh don't worry I'm quite used so to it so it sounds like you have quite a personal relationship with these people I have a very um it's very it's my baby so I'm very um I see every email that comes in I can't respond to every email so I have a team that does that but you know if there's I'm also I'm very aware that I give out supplements so as a nutri- as a, and I am a nutritionist so when somebody has for example a thyroid issue I'm aware of what giving so for example raw broccoli is not great for somebody who has a thyroid issue so then we will swap out the broccoli and put in spinach or something so um, because that's because I'm I feel very responsible about stuff like that yeah um, and is this a plan that people do um, regularly, or is it something you do once? Well, it's not that extreme. And then come back to. So you yeah. could do it. You could, you know, if you ate like this every day of every week, you'd feel amazing. You'd feel amazing. So and and it's very doable at home. So actually, the best feedback I can get is that somebody's changed their shopping pattern. You know, or they've they've learned a recipe, or that they're like, I could do because it's meant to be something you can take into the rest of your world. Maybe not as perfect pants as the plan is you know not you know god i love bread you know i don't think i don't believe necessarily in cutting out food groups unless there's a good reason to but it's definitely something it's also something good to fall back on like oh i feel a bit rubbish you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a day of the five-day plan today so actually that's what the rest of the so we're doing a five-day plan here um for five days from the 14th of january but the rest of the time it's just a cafe with the five-day plan food following the five-day plan rules and yeah, so you have a clinic on Harley Street. I do. So how does it work? People come to see you and have a sort of consultation, or yeah. So I do. Um, so first consultations are around an hour and a half, and we go through everything. People are, I think, always surprised. I think when they come to see a nutritionist, they're expecting to talk about blueberries, but actually, we talk about everything, like past medical history, medication, their own family history. We go through all the systems of the body, you know, to try and get a really good picture. And then I negotiate what they're going to do. And it is a negotiation because there's no point in me saying, well, we are going to do this, this and this. And they're just like, well, that's never going to happen. You know, compliance is an issue. So I've realised that um, making the plan together actually works better than than forcing it on someone. And what does success look like on those things? Is it success? Yeah, is it when they email you to say they're really happy or... You get some amazing emails sometimes. Um, sometimes it, I think people want quite a quick fix. So sometimes that works, sometimes yeah. that people happens. People are so impatient. These people days. are very impatient. <laughs> and they want me to fix them. So so sometimes they're like, well, it hasn't changed. I don't feel any better. I'm like, well, did you do that? Well, no, I haven't done any of it. I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, so sometimes people they people want to fix them. Um, and sometimes it's slow burn. So, you know, people who have, have got chronic sleep, you know, chronic insomnia, they've had it for 10, 15 years and they want me to fix them in an hour and a half. So, you know, it, sometimes it's a slower burn, and people are some people are very committed to the process. 
other people, you know, there's a lot of us, it is just, it's not rocket science, a lot of what I do. It's like, you know, there are more complex cases where we spend more time and we do testing and all that. But a lot of the time, um, it's just not rocket science. And you can do a few, you can sort of, and I also really believe in doing small things that add up. So, yeah, because I think when you try to change somebody's whole um, routine of how they eat, how they exercise, how they live, basically, it won't last. It doesn't last. It just, everybody, it's like a yo-yo diet, that yo-yo lifestyle, it doesn't work. Yeah. It has to become part of their lifestyle as it is. Um, and this podcast is about the five things that inspire you. Was there something related to this <laughs> food thing that you wanted to put into your cabinet? <laughs> no, nothing. I don't know. What did I think of? Well, I did. I'm quite attached to Well, I'm quite attached to two things, but I think I'll go with the Vitamix, which is a blender. But it's lasted me for years and years and years and years. And literally, it can blend a beetroot if you put it in whole. And I love it a lot. Um, and I had to buy a new jug for it recently. But um, I took it to New York when I did the five-day plan in New York. It came to New York with me because I know it's going to work. And you know, when did you first buy it? Don't they last forever? They last forever. Um, I've had it. Well, I've had it for at least twelve years. And so, yeah. But can that go in the cabinet? Because won't you want to use it? Uh, and probably, I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably be. Using you might it. have to be. I might have to have it on the side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they're quite noisy. So maybe that's <laughs> true. You can get a thing to put over the top, which mutes the noise a bit. Vitamix sound reduction. Vitamix sound reduction, yes, wow. exactly. They are aware that it makes a lot that of exists. noise. <laughs> yes, it does. It's something that exists. Um, but it's not just health food that you do, is it either? Because also you have this um, sort of enterprise with Gizzy Erskine, yes. the chef called That's another Phil, baby. Yes. Which is kind of the opposite, although yeah. not. Well, no, it's not. So it's actually now we've reduced it to filth, because we think it's better to say it's hot off the press. Um, and um, yes, yeah, so that's another. That's our other baby. So it's kind of. So one of the big things that I believe in, and that I, me and Gizzy, agree on, is that we want to make the food that for the masses better. Food has become so processed and so shit. Honestly, you know that diabetes. This thing about diabetes being rise. Everything you eat has been got sugar in it. So therefore, everything you want to eat is going to have sugar in it because your taste buds are used to. I mean, I've got a sweet tooth. And I'm a nutritionist because everything, you know, I had a matcha latte this morning, trying to feel good, and I tried it, and it's so sweet because they they automatically either use sweetened almond milk, or I guess I had it with almond milk, or, um, <laughs> sweetened almond milk, or honey, or you know whatever. And I was like, wow, that's. Um, so even when you're trying to be good, it's still. So what Gizzy and I were talking about was when we started talking about the company, we were talking about um, trying to make comfort food that was healthy because comfort food's notoriously stodgy and not great for kind of beige a lot of it um and then we got to, the reason we ended up we've ended up with burgers is because they're the iconic junk food and junk food is what the masses eat that's what most people eat so we we thought well okay let's make it it's not perfect it's not like you know if you're a yoga zen clean eater it's probably not for you but i tell you what it is so much better for you than another burger it's like got much higher fiber it's got much higher, higher nutritional values it it operates like a burger so that was the important bit that it needed to feel so because there's no point making a really healthy burger that no one's going to eat so like the you know so the fries we've got white but we've got normal fries we've got we've got sweet potato fries and they're deep fried because we tried baking them and they're not good enough you know it's not that it doesn't give you that feeling um but, you know, so we've done a vegan burger. We've got a vegan milkshake, which tastes like... We're basically basing it on McDonald's. We're trying to replicate McDonald's, but with much better ingredients and um, 
with a much higher nutritional profile. Is it, and who's the, who's the customer that you're thinking about when you do that? Is McDonald's customers. We basically want to be McDonald's. And what's the <laughs> is the price point? And what's the price point like in relationship to McDonald's? So that's what's been funny is the price point is really hard. When you're using healthy food, oh my God, it's so difficult to get the price point down. And that's what we've, so we've been developing it for now a year and a half and we're going to we start in next month where it opens and um it's been trying to get the price point down because you, you know people use lots of fillers and stuff and we didn't want to do that so um but now so the burger i think is now around seven pounds which is so we're probably more like five guys actually so that's the sort of price that you get in this gourmet burger places yeah and yeah yeah exactly but i suppose this production goes up prices come down i mean i don't know we, we are going to continue to work on it because we do want it to, we want it to be we don't want it to be like a and we want it just to be like a fast really like, operate like a proper fast food restaurant yeah what do you eat what's your diet like people must ask you that all the time but I know. Well, people it assume like... that it's like you know sort of like this ideal perfect diet and it's really not um i spend quite a lot of i try I, but then i forget that actually i eat what i think's perfect is probably it's like i've got quite a high bar i guess um but i i tell you where my downfall is in this petrol station it's a complete disaster I don't know what happens to me. I walk in there, and when I walk out, I've got I've got not cravers. What are they called? Monster Munch, and Skittles. I don't know what happens. So I have to really talk to myself and go to the nuts and go to the fruit. So sometimes it goes that way, sometimes it doesn't. And kids, my kids are terrible. They're like, can I have quiz? And but you've got three daughters, I've is that right? And they're daughters. teenagers. Two are teenagers. One's twelve. Right. Um, and so yeah, how does it work in the household? How do you figure out? like you were saying that whole diabetes explosion which is really prevalent or especially bad among children yeah um what how do you make sure that they eat right that there's not loads of sort of secret hidden sugar going into what they eat apart from the skittles uh, and monster Munch. yes yeah, that i buy them yeah that <laughs> um, <laughs> you're shoving down their throat <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. The stuff that yeah. i'm giving them yeah <laughs> um, well we they eat very well at our house i mean my kids will eat mung beans lentils you know they they actually so what they will eat they have their spectrum of what they'll eat is pretty big you know and we eat at home in the evening we eat really well very you know i mean i think it's going to go to a fish goujon from time to time but otherwise it's it's pretty do you cook yeah we cook um, where do you I live cook, yeah, we live in the Cotswolds, in the Oxfordshire, Gloucestershire board. <laughs> live in the Shire. In the Shire. Uh, in the Shire. Um, so they eat pretty well. School, on the other hand, oh, one day when I've got time, I'm going to try and get Jamie Oliver back on that because it's so shocking what they get fed at school. Shocking, shocking, shocking. I am to, to, they have just, I mean, listen, I'm going to have a little rant now. Go on. <laughs> they have just re, not reintroduced, they've just introduced a fizzy pop drink onto the menu rather I mean most people are taking it away I they've been banned well or not banned but... not in the shire they <laughs> I don't know they came out and they're going oh there's this thing called Radnor Fizz am I allowed to know your name really Radnor Fizz has been introduced onto the menu at which point I started <laughs> at which point I started making them pack lunch because they've got parent pay so they can just go and buy whatever they like but literally donuts I mean it's shocking it's really really shocking in this day and age that they've got so much crap on the menu but otherwise yeah but I, I also am very conscious I have three girls so I don't want any weird relationships with food. I'm not going to bang the drum. I mean, I do go on about sugar quite a lot. My youngest is a fiend. 
Um, and my, her sisters are terrible telling her that she's going to end up with diabetes if she's not careful. <laughs> what, you mean she eats a lot of sugar? She loves it. Loves it. I mean, well, if it's there. Do they, right? Yeah, well, that's true. So, um, yeah. but I'm very aware, you know, I just don't want any weirdness around food. So I kind of, you know, I try and guide them. I do sometimes say, you guys have got to start making better choices with your food. But, you know, it's up to them. My eldest, who's 19 now, she does make quite good choices, I think. And the 13 year old is. So it's like if she's presented with a a good option and a less good option, she'll... I think, I know, she'd probably go for the less good option, but I think if you asked her what she wanted to eat, she'd probably go, I really want a home-cooked meal. It's probably because she's at university. (laughs) But, you know, but I think, um, but I think, yeah, I I think if it was put in front of her, she'd go for the less good. She's a model. She is. She's famously, like, she was signed by Kate Moss. Yes. Her first signing of Kate Moss's agency. Yes. um, Which must be... um, Especially that you know there are so many associations between modelling and food, obviously. So yeah. there must be it must be particularly. But I guess it's quite different now in terms of how models they educate them much better. And well, it seems very different now. Like I'm like I'm so I because I now go I go and talk to agents quite a lot, you know, or have done and models. Um, what as a kind of as, yeah advisor or? as an advisor yeah. They're much better. They're given much better tools to. I mean, nobody knew about it. It's not like people knew about it and were keeping it a secret when we were in the 90s. I just don't think anybody thought about it. Yeah. Whereas now it's obviously on everybody's mind. I don't, I think calories are, you, I mean, they're, they're a very misleading gauge, very misleading really? gauge. Well, yeah, and so is a fat gauge. I mean, if you, if you looked at, I mean, my favourite example of this is an avocado. If you got an avocado and you said the calories and the fat content in it, it would be through the roof. But we also all know that an avocado, fat, fat and avocado is absolutely amazingly beneficial for you. And, um, you know, and so the calories you get from that fat is totally different from the calories you get from a bag of Skittles. They've got no fat in them, but they've got loads of calories and sugar. You know, so it's, it just reacts totally different in the body and the insulin, you know. And so, I mean, but calories are actually the only gauge we have really right now, aren't they, for people to, you know, so... I mean, I suppose they're good if, if you're eating 4,000 calories a day and you're not moving and you're gaining weight, then you could go, ah. Do you exercise? I do. I do. I always have, actually. I do. I like, what do I do? I run. I'm a runner. Um, and then I turned into a yoga bunny, but it's really a secret. Why do you whisper? <laughs> because I never wanted to be a yoga bunny. Oh, really? <laughs> and then I went away in January with my friends in India. And we did it for a week, and I was I could literally feel my body changing. I was like, damn, What kind of good. yoga? I guess it was an Ashtangri type. I mean, it's kind of like a, a dynamic yoga. I say I even know the terminology now. <laughs> um, and I've done it ever since. And actually, it's it's really changed my the way my body feels like I can, especially for my running, it's been great. I really, yeah, and it's I a really good compliment, enjoy, isn't it? Too? Yeah. So I do those. Do you know what else do I do? I love spinning. I love a spin. Because you sort of, you're literally locked onto the bike. <laughs> you can't get off for that 45 minutes. Done. So I quite like that. But yeah, I do. I do like. I like going for a walk too. Do you have a dog? We have three. Oh, what kind of dogs? Oh, well, we have two real dogs, two staffies, and then we have a silly little sausage dog. <laughs> she's tiny. Literally, she's three kilos. She's absolutely tiny. She was the run. So they're basically they look like her bodyguards. <laughs> she's like this little sort of snappy little sausage. And yeah. So yeah. Um. What What else would you put into your cabinet in the attic at Five Carlos Place? So. Well, my running shoes. I'm very, very attached to my running shoes. And what's your running shoe of choice? An Asics, an Asics gel. 
Kyana, whatever, whichever one. I've just had to, I lost one on my holiday, but actually it was one, so I ran the marathon last year and actually they needed to be retired anyway because I think you're only meant to run a certain amount of Run the marathon? I did the marathon last year. You said that quite far away. Oh yes, no, I did the marathon last year. Yeah, I did the marathon. It was was a really... Was that the first time you've done it? Yes. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to do the New York marathon in November. And then I was like, the summer came, Rosie. And I was like, because it goes, so the marathon in New York is November. Right. And then I'd have to start training in August. I was like, oh, no. How long do you need to train for? Um, For London, I started in January. I remember going out on the 4th of January and just being like, this is utterly miserable. Absolutely. It was cold. I just really remember. And I think I only ran about four miles. I was like, this is awful. And then, but what's quite good about doing the London Marathon is you train through the winter and rather than sitting indoors being all like, ugh, you're actually out. And it's sort of, and then it starts to get springtime and you're like, oh, okay, this is fine. And then you're like, you know, so. You're already at that certain level of fitness. Yeah, so it was quite nice. So yeah, so I did, so three months. Do you use use an app? I do, I'm a right. I think that's the only thing that gets me through. What's the app that you use? Well, I use, I've got a Garmin watch, so that gives me all sorts of statistics. And then I, I use the Nike running app. Um, but you know, I'll tell you what I loved most about it was listening to Desert Island Discs. I turned into a right granny and I don't care. It was so good. There's so many Desert Island Discs out there. It's Who's your favourite? I love Dustin Hoffman's. He was amazing. Who else was really good? Um, so um, yeah, so that was, that's mine. So you're, um, you're, a, you're, you trained as a, nat- you're, you're, a prof- you're a qualified naturopath and nutritionist. nutritionist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so why did you get into that whole area in the first place? Well, I think, um, so I modelled for a really long time and then I had two children, so I had one, one my eldest and then I had another one and then I had another one really soon after, it was sort of accidentally, but 14 months later I had, so, so I had two, two really babies basically. And, um, and also, you know, I was 31 when I had the third one and my, you know, I was coming to the end, my modelling career was not like flowering, flourishing, but... Um, but also at that point I was like well I'm not going to be able to push it either because I can't travel I'm not going to leave I want I wanted to bring up my own kids basically not that there's anything wrong if you travel and you work but for me my choice was I wanted to be at home a bit and modeling takes you away a lot you travel a lot and so I sort of it started to make me think my god it's a sort of funny one modeling because you know in, in the early 30s you're suddenly like shit what am I going to do I didn't go to school because I was modeling and you know and I, but I mean I'm very fortunate because I'd had I traveled a lot and I was financially in not a bad place and did you earn a lot of money when you model you earn quite a lot of money it's quite it's quite good for that amongst other things I mean there's lots of good things about it but yeah I mean yeah you um yeah. You, when were you, were you 15 when you were discovered I'm talking McDonald's when you discovered it in McDonald's yeah, yeah on Oxford <laughs> Street everyone thinks that's hilarious yeah yeah on Oxford Street yeah, when I was fifteen, and so I did it. For, I did only did a few jobs, and I hated it, and and then started again when I was seventeen. But yeah, so I did. Did you modeling. know what modelling? You know, some models say I didn't know what modelling was when they came up to me. And did you think, oh, this is something I might want to do at some point before they? Or had you had it ever crossed your mind before? Um, I think it had crossed my mind before, but only because I was tall. And but you have to remember, I was really not very um, fashion fashion at all like I wasn't one of those kids who grew up looking at magazines or where did you grow up um I grew up all over but from the age of 12 13 we lived in Farnham in Surrey but I grew up like moved to Rio for a few years when I was very little in Scotland and that you know my dad's Scottish so but basically my teenage life was in Farnham and where I was a raven much happy happier you know like Mm. in a pair of jeans and trainers than anything so it was a bit 
Um, and it took me a long time to get used to the fashion industry, actually. Yeah. I mean, not the so people. You, they, they, um, so you were discovered. <laughs> discovered, yeah. expression. Um, <laughs> and you weren't really into it, but then you came back to it, didn't you? Was it a few years later? Yeah. When I was 17, I came back and started. And actually, weirdly, it was kind of serendipitous that that happened because in the two years when Corinne Day, Corinne Day was the person who found me in McDonald's. Was it um, actually her who yeah. found you? She thought I was a boy, which just sums up the rest of our relationship. <laughs> that must have felt when you were 15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She didn't tell me that until later, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when I was probably feeling a bit lively, she was like, and another thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so then, but then she was living in Milan then. I didn't know any of this till later, but then when I started again at 17, she'd just come back to London and the grunge thing was happening. And so actually timing-wise... So it was like, what was, was it, probably 90, very fortuitous. 92, would have been 17, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. What was um, Corinne Day, what was, what was she like? She was actually really sweet. I mean, she was really um, nuts, but she was really, really kind and caring. She was very, very determined. So her and I, we wouldn't fall out, but oh my God, she'd drive me mad because she would be so single-minded about getting the picture she wanted that if I was tired, she wouldn't, you know, and she 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 used to say oh, she would you know we'd go we'd shoot till late 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 and I'd say well I'm so tired she said yeah but you get really pissed off and then I get the shot I want and I was like but I can do pissed off I can do that I can do it at ten o'clock in the morning <laughs> but um but she was very it was kind of yeah she was always very she was very kind and very sweet and very very loyal like lovely yeah because it was sort of you there was a few models that obviously that she used but it was. I mean, it's isn't it? It must be so weird now to look back um, at pictures of yourself then, because you are the embodiment of that moment, that grunge <laughs> moment with that, the face and Corinne Day, Kate Moss, Emma Balfour, all those yeah. models, like Stella Tennant, that yeah. came up then, and that moment that was happening, especially in London, and the whole rave scene and everything. I mean, it must be just. How does it feel when you look at those? Does it feel like a long way away? Well, no, because I still feel like that girl. The funny yeah. thing about the the, the grunge outlook is exactly how we went to I went to um, the beauty post at a party recently and it was rave was the theme and I turned up and someone said oh you look good what a great outfit I was like this is how I always I mean, it was literally what I'm wearing today and I was like oh you know <laughs> you nailed it yeah, yeah you nailed it yeah exactly yeah. I did have a smiley face I had one but I, I usually wear yeah. that too but anyway um so it doesn't fit so it doesn't fit so so what was kind of nice for me was that it was she was photographing i felt very much mm. that she was photographing me yeah and so when i look back at those pictures i don't feel like some of the other pictures however you know when i was doing maybe more of a maria testino like yeah glam look yeah i look back and i'm like i mean they look amazing but it's you know that's no real it doesn't relate to anything yeah. that i am about yeah. whereas all the grungy pictures actually are kind of I haven't really changed that much. So was that your access route into the fashion world? Was it through Corinne Day and The Face doing all... Was that the... Yeah, well, actually, it was funny. So Corinne Day and David Sims, who... Dave Sims, when I went back, I did one shot with Cor one shoot with Corinne, and then I did a... Um, and then I did a, a, a shoot with David Sims for Yoji Yamamoto. Actually, he did my first test, funnily enough. Wow. There was quite a lot of beef between those two at the time. <laughs> in um, but yeah, so I've got a test picture from him that was from back then. And then we did, you know, so so between those two and then and then I and then I went and did Paolo Reversi French Vogue was my, my third job. I had wow. a, I kind of had So an you easy kind of run. started at the top. Yeah. Amazing. I kind of I was very lucky. Yeah. And yeah. I'm that, that amazing um Dolce Gabbana ad that all campaign. Yeah, 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 that was that, a few years. Was it Mario Sorrenti? Mario, yeah. That's beautiful. Because I remember that was um, so uh, arresting because it was so different to anything they'd done previously and just felt so fresh. Um, yeah. 
Was there an awareness at the time that you guys were part of a movement or did it just feel like you were doing I think everything? it's funny because now it really feels like that, yeah. especially because everyone's really going on about it now, you know, so it's sort of quite nice because now you look at, oh yeah, but at, and at the time I think it didn't, you weren't as aware that it was a movement, but it definitely felt like something was going, it felt like, Maybe it did feel like a movement. I definitely felt like the photographers I was working with and the type of pictures we were taking, because you'd go on a shoot for Vogue and they would look totally flummoxed by the fact that there was like a black bag and they were pulling out a tiny little vest going, put that yeah. on. And then the hairdressers would make your hair straight and they would be looking and you could tell, I, I mean, without knowing anything about fashion, you knew that there was something not that, that had not happened before. So on that front, and also the fact that the music was the same, you know, the music at the time, I mean, for you know, for me, I was having a really good time, so it sort of helped. Yeah, that, that, that was great. It's great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I think if I had been around in the 80s, it probably wouldn't have gone quite so well because I'm not so good at a leap across <laughs> across Regent Street with earrings. And I and I actually I was talking to someone. I was I was upstairs here in the cafe yesterday, and I was talking to Adam Murray from Central St Martins, and I told him that I was talking to you today, and he had on his laptop because he just did an exhibition at Somerset House last year about um, photographers from the north of England right I think and he had I don't know if it was just north of England anyway he had a the video of a, from the documentary of Corinne Day and I think it's a road trip she went on I think oh, they showed wow. it on BBC too it's a road trip she went on and it was you Kate Finkler. Moss Oh, Kate. I don't. There was one with oh, Finkler. Blackpool. Yeah, Blackpool. Oh, oh my God, is that? And he had it on his laptop, <laughs> and I was watching some of it. It was like an hour long. I didn't watch all of it. But oh, how fun! I didn't even know that existed. Oh my God, is there video footage? There oh, is. It's like you and Kate Moss in a bed eating breakfast in bed. Yeah. She brings like a tray over yeah. boiled eggs. Have you never seen that? <laughs> no, That's so seen funny. That. I remember that though. Um, that is so funny. Oh my God. And there's some footage of you on a shoot. But yeah, you also went on another road trip with Vinka and. Yeah. And she's Karine. just made a book out of that, which is really nice. She's she sent me a copy. It's so nice. Yeah, that was amazing that trip. Um, did you enjoy the travel? Yeah, what modelling or that or all, just that all of the road from trip? that period? If you were doing a lot of travelling, yeah, I did. I think that is one of the greatest things about it. You know, when because you just you travel, so you get to see places that no you'd never go on, even if you went on hot. You know, like you'd have, you they sort of so specific and they always there's this hunger for somewhere new somewhere more obscure yeah. somewhere more difficult to get yeah. to I mean I went all the way to New Zealand once and they said oh great you look like Wales in the sunshine I'm like what I've just <laughs> flown 30 hours and you wanted Wales in the freaking sunshine so you know but the fashion industry is really good at finding the newest latest and so you yeah. sort of end up in amazing places which I will always be grateful that I've been to my, what, my what? husband drives it drives him mad he's like what do you mean oh of course you've been there and then I say oh I've been there of course you've been there and then <laughs> if ever I say I haven't been there he's like actually hung on your mother has not been <laughs> <laughs> where would you where haven't you been that you'd like to go I'd quite like so I haven't been to Peru I'd quite like it's a bit of South America so I hope your husband will listen to this it's and then Peru yeah. <laughs> actually he'd quite like to go to Peru too. Peru and Argentina and Chile I'd quite like to go there there's loads of places. There's mm. so many places I'd like to go, but yeah, those are mm. guess. So you're married to Jake Chapman, the artist. Uh, yeah, I should say. If he's on, if he's on good behaviour. You... I am. <laughs> <laughs> How did you guys meet? Um, we actually had an argument, but we met in we met in a club. Basically, he was being rude, and then we were yeah, we just had an argument, and then that was kind of it. We got married ten well, months that's later. Sounds, that's quite, that sounds quite romantic. <laughs> yeah, it was quite romantic. Um, so the cab going back to the cabinet, the magical oh, yes. cabinet. So you've got um, your Vitamix and the trainers. Yeah. Um, what else would go in there? Um, 
Um, oh my gosh. Well, there are a couple of things which can't go in there because one's because it's Soho in London and I don't think that will oh, fit. Oh, but we could put a postcard Yes. Or... Okay, so, so could we? Does yes. that work? Or some, some kind of yes, you could. representation. Yeah, that would be good. I mean, so Soho, the reason for Soho is not because, because when I lived in London, I lived mostly in North and East London. But Soho in the last, since we've moved out in the last eight years, we've had a flat, or we've rented a flat on and off in Soho. And so weirdly for my younger two, their London is Dean Street Townhouse. <laughs> What's it called? There's a cross town donut, see, yeah. terrible sugar. Sorry, <laughs> um, and snowflake ice cream. <laughs> but you know, so we, and I love it. And I, just because I'm used to being in the middle of a field at home, I love, I actually, I love Soho very, very much. It's very dear to me. And I have, like, I, do you know what I love? I love that you can do yoga you can do all your meetings and then you can go out all night that's what i love for me it's just amazing so I, you know you can literally get up at seven o'clock in the morning see people going home while you go to yoga and then you can be doing the same thing the next night and it's just i don't know i don't, for me it's just i love it were you yeah. hanging out because i guess there was a bit of a scene there in the 90s as well i think there's always been a sort of scene isn't it? i guess it's where i mean yeah do you feel like it's still um got some kind of underground appeal I don't know. It feels I, quite gentrified these days. Yeah, and they're doing all those. I th- yeah, I think so. I think it's definitely an older crowd. I wonder where they. I guess Shoreditch, maybe. I don't know. But if your kids like hanging there, then. Well, but they like there because of the ice cream and the donuts. <laughs> I mean, I think to go out, I think it's too expensive. Actually, my oldest is like, she wouldn't go. She used to stay in the flat um, when we had it, and she would. She wouldn't go out in Soho, I don't think. Mm. She says it's so expensive. Well, it is. You know, so yeah. and also, can you imagine going to Crow Vardis with you? Like <laughs> seventeen, I don't think eighteen, I don't think so. She's nineteen actually. Um, yeah, so I don't know where they go, but yeah, it is quite gentrified. <laughs> um, and do you, so and so, tell me about. So you were modelling, and you had this amazing um, career that you didn't you, that you sort of like we said you sort of started right at the top, carried on. And how long did that period last? Was it? So you were like 17 um, till early 20s, I did, was it? Or? Well, no, it carried on going till my mid-20s, I think, and then it probably changed. So I stopped doing shows, I think. I had to Elfie when I was 24. Yeah. I meant to ask uh, you about shows, actually. Did you, you did, because you did, you did Catwalk as well as editorial. Yeah. What, I was going to ask, what was your most memorable show? I don't know, people always ask me, so I wish there was one that I was like, that was it. But um, I think the McQueen shows were probably quite mental the Versace shows were quite I did one of those once and that was quite nuts um I don't know they're, they're all quite insane because you know then you think about the Dior couture show and I'd never done a couture show before and it was and I was not a couture model at all as you can imagine I don't think grunge kid gets to be you know like that long necked swan definitely not me um so that was I found that quite intense I guess because you're like okay what do I was do was that when John Galliano was at yeah. Dior yeah. So and then you know and they were amazing. Those they're just quite. Shows. Um, I guess I, I mean the whole thing was quite, in, you know, sort of in, just intense that whole experience. Mm. I quite like. I used to quite like the show season because you'd see all your friends, you know. So it was quite. We had a real gang feeling. I think in my mind it was a real gang feeling of you know everybody used to hang out, and we used to you just spend six weeks who together. Was, who was the gang? So Emma Balfour, Kate, um, and there was Chandra and Carolyn Murphy and Amber and Stella and Tennant. Who else? There were lots of there were loads. Hazel in touch with most of them. Yeah, I mean, not like Kate obviously is one of my best friends, but um, the others. I mean, we you know if I see it, there's a very very nice familial 
vibe around it. And that's what's quite nice, actually, when I go back to work, is photographers I haven't seen, or photographers who are assistants, they're now the photographer, and the makeup assistant is now the makeup artist. So it's quite nice, you know, you get to... It's, it's sort of very family. Do you still model? Uh, once in a while. Very rarely, but once in a while I do. I like mm. it. I love going back and doing it. It's just sometimes I don't have time, and the fashion industry moves quite quick, and I'm usually quite busy, so it's sort of <laughs> like, well, can we see you next Tuesday? Can you do next Tuesday? Like, no, actually, I can't. But... Um, but yeah, I do. I like it when I go back. And then let's. What, what else goes into the cabinet? Um, so there are a couple of bits of jewelry. So jewelry, I love my jewelry, but there are two bits. One is my wedding ring, which you can't have either. <laughs> but, um, but we can put a wedding ring in. We can do yeah, or we can do a photo maybe. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I lost my engagement ring once, and so the engagement ring I wear today, which is a huge rock, is actually twelve quid from a from a thing. And it, seriously, <laughs> yeah. Or huh? seventeen, maybe, and well, so, so you lost it and never found it again. I never found it. Oh my goodness! And actually, so I had to console myself with the fact that it's not about them. You know, it's about the um, the wedding ring is actually the ring that matters out of those two. I mean, the engagement. You know, I'm very sad that I've lost it, but actually, the wedding. If I lost my wedding ring, I would be devastated. Did your husband know that you lost it? Yes, he's oh. quite good about. It. He's actually really good about that sort really? of thing. Really, he was. He was like. Um, so yeah so that would be one thing and then the other thing oh I've got them in today actually my gold hoop earrings because we were giggling and I when I was talking to my assistant about it about jewellery we were going well which bits of jewellery these gold earrings I've had since I was 18 years old they were given to me by my godmother for my 18th birthday Sally Lang and um and that I literally I can't I mean I've got a lot of jewellery I've got you know lots of bits you're wearing lots I wear yes I wear quite a lot of jewellery but um but I wear the same jewellery a lot, actually. But these earrings, I, I sort of, I don't know. They, I feel they're It's very so funny nice. that you mention them because I feel like I might have seen them in fashion shoots. They're always in. They're yeah. always, like, in. you could find probably yeah. about five, six shoots with them in because I wear them all the time. <laughs> when you shop for jewellery, do you shop, do you buy it for yourself or are they all gifts? Mostly gifts. My husband's quite good on jewellery. Um, That's good. I know. <laughs> He's quite good at it. Um, do I shop? I buy, you know, I've got quite a few earring holes, so I'll buy little, tiny little gold hoops to fill fill the gaps. But otherwise, not really. I kind of, I, I mean, jewellery to me is is about where it comes from, who it's from. Let's have a good story behind. Yeah. That's why, yeah. About, about clothes? Are you into clothes? I am quite, I mean, I'd say no, but I think everyone else would say, yes, you are. I mean, I think I've got a lot of clothes for, I, I'm quite good at keeping clothes. So, you know, so I take care of my clothes. Um, I think clothes are quite important. So, you know, I think in, depending how I feel in the morning, sometimes you can get an outfit that just matches how you feel and it's good, the best feeling in the world and you're like, That's so I true. know exactly what I'm going to wear today. I feel great. And so for that, I feel that's why I love clothes because they can absolutely... Was it modelling that being being a model, did that... Because you said you, as you were, when you were growing yeah. up, you weren't really into, interested yeah. in fashion. Did it make you interested in fashion? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because the journey for me in fashion has been one of trying to fit in with everyone else and wear fancy dresses and stuff, or sort of like more try and dress like a tiny little thing, which I'm not, you know, like a five foot six, like great, you know, and just actually going going for a full circle and actually going actually what suits me are suits for one, but trousers and, and who so, makes a good suit. Bella Freud is my number one suit person. I love her suits. Only because she makes them really great. I do, for me, they're brilliant. Like the trouser legs of what I like, a wide pant. And wide pant, wide trouser <laughs> leg. <laughs> um, but so, you know, so I think it's been interesting. My journey in fashion hasn't been instinctive until I got into my late 30s. And I was like, actually, God, this is what works for you. Why have you been trying to fit into 
stuff that doesn't work for so long. So that's, yeah. So I've got there finally, I think. What's the final object or representation of an object that goes into the cabinet? Well, I don't know. I really struggle with things. I mean, I think, what were the other things I thought of? Well, food is one, which we can, it's obvious, I suppose. Um, um, but I think, I suppose the other thing that I feel was really useful for, or for your mood is perfume. So I feel, so in the lack of girliness that I have in everyday life, I love perfume. And so I, you know, and I said to, and Jake said once, he said, I said, oh, do you like this perfume? He said, yeah, I like all perfume because all perfume reminds me of you. And I thought, I know, I know. Um, so, so I quite like, I don't feel very, I don't feel fully dressed without perfume. You know, some people have to put makeup on. I don't, you know, I don't have to put perfume on, but if I go out without it, I'm a bit like, oh, damn it, I forgot to so perfume. interesting. Is there, do you have lots of different perfumes or is there one? I do. Uh, there's one that I've been wearing const- you know, every winter. <laughs> it's a bit like the clocks change. I start wearing Penhaligon's Malabar. <laughs> Get out, <laughs> Get out my Penhaligon's. Yeah. It's Penhaligon's Malabar, which is kind of like a spicy... It smells like Christmas to me. So there's that. Um, at the moment, I'm quite into a body splash from Bamford, which is... I quite like those sort of like more sort of lighter perfumes. Um, and then the other ones that I like are the Van Cleef and Arpels, um collection. They're quite nice. The exquisite collection, or whatever it's called. Do you carry them around with you, like spritz throughout the day? Um, well, I do, do you know what? Actually, what I carry around with me is actually an, uh, an aromatherapy oil, which I carry around. So, um, but sometimes I do if I remember. That's why if I leave the house, I'm like, oh damn it, I forgot because yeah. I tend not to because because I've got you know I don't want a big glass thing <laughs> smashing my bag. So um, so yeah, so I've got a tiny I've got a tiny little bottle of um, aromatherapy stuff that I put on. But yeah, I don't know what other perfumes. I mean, I like, I kind of like, yeah, all of them really. Well, no, I don't. But you know, the ones I've got quite Did a you... few. I like. There's an amber noir from Dior that's quite nice too. Hmm. So interesting. Because um, I, yeah, it's so interesting with perfume. Because some people have that one that is their signature scent, and I'm always quite sort of impressed with those people. Yeah, that they found. I think scent. Malabar. I think most people say when I wear it, they're like, "Oh, that reminds me of you." Because I do wear it quite consistently in the winter. Because it really does. When I put it on, I'm like, yay! It's win- it smells autumn and wintry to me. But um, so I quite like that one. I mean, and I don't know. I do have fantasies of like going. You know, all the all the um, bespoke perfumes and stuff. But yeah. I, but I'd be too worried. Imagine if you don't like it and it gets made for you, and then you're like, oh, you've got loads of it. <laughs> I know you're like, right. I don't like it. Yeah. yeah. Too yeah, much, it's a bit too much pressure. Too that. much That's pressure. not anonymous enough as going into a shop and going, oh, I'll have that. I'll try that. If I don't like it, it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, and then are you doing because you, you've got so much going on business wise are you what are the plans for the are you planning to expand um, well I think the five day plan is the basically five day plan is I think um, it jogs along I think New York went really well so we'll see what happens there I've been working with a facial facialist called Teresa Tami so it's sort of like she does the outside and we do the inside I do the inside um so that will, and also I think there's a book. I think we're, we're well, we're looking at doing a book. You did a book, a book already. We did a book, yeah, yeah. I did a book a while ago, um, a juice book, but this would be a five-day plan book, I think, just to sort of, everybody always asks for the recipes. I mean, we put a lot of recipes out there, but I think to put it in a book might be quite nice. Um, and then Filth, well, Filth is quite exciting because it's opening and we is hope... Is it a restaurant? We're going to open in, we're going to do a pop-up for three months in Shoreditch and then we are opening our own, our own site in, and we're hoping to open in Soho. 
So that's really exciting. Spot. My favourite spot, exactly. exactly. So I won't have to travel outside that area. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Well, good luck with it all. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> That was an episode of The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion podcast. You can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website, and you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion, at Matches Fashion Man, and the hashtag Five Carlos Place. Thanks for listening.